Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 178, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. There is now official word on when teachers can receive the COVID-19 vaccine, and President-elect Biden finds an education secretary. Does he keep his promise? Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, our guest explains how to keep that flame for educating lit. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by friend, principal, and co-host, Christina Pollard. Christina, how is your break going so far? Just being able to, when I wake up, not worry about jump up, get ready, get on a Zoom, just anything work-related, just at my own leisure and just really enjoying my time at home, um, relaxing, reading some good books, and, you know, just being worry and stress-free. Hey, do you have, like, while you're talking about good books, I mean, you can kind of play Oprah's Book Club here. Do you have, like, a recommendation for anybody? Anything? Um, that's so funny that you mentioned Oprah's Book Club because I actually follow it, and I wrapped up reading Cast recently. Um, And just uh, yesterday, I finished reading um, A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. And now I'm getting into some junk, (laughs) you know, some vacation reads. And so I just encourage anybody that just wants to take your mind off of anything. If you are a lover of books like I am, I literally keep deep. I get deep into the story and I just feel like I'm I'm there and a part of it. Yeah. So um, I just finished a book recently and my dad read it about a year or two ago. And then my wife read Mm -hmm. it and they both were like, oh, this is the best book ever. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. And then I finally started to where I could, um, you know, start reading it and I plowed right through it. It was incredible. Have you ever heard of The Nightingale? I have. I don't know much about it. They, they are. Give me a quick synopsis. Okay, so it's um, Kristen Hanna and uh, who, this is the second book of hers I've read. She's a phenomenal author. But this one takes place during World War II. It's in France and it's about two sisters and what I loved about it was it gave you the perspective of World War II, not from the battlefield so much, as much as what it's mm-hmm. like to be living in a country that is occupied by, well, in this case, Nazi Germany. And, and so we mm-hmm. never really see that very much in movies or, or any kind of storytelling. And they really kind of dive into there of like what it's like to not have access to much food and not have access to, you know, the normal things where you can go shopping and having to hide all your valuables or sell them or give them to the Nazis. It was just a really interesting story, the way it unfolds and um, movies on the way. You always share some great titles. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's a, it was a good one. So I've been checking my mailbox lately. You've missed me. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I know I I need to, I will run by before, before um, too long. So just hang in there. I got a couple (laughs) books I'm going to drop off for you. Um, So uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of education, even though we're in the break here, some big news um, for those who have kind of been paying attention. It looks like um, teachers are going to be next in line for the COVID-19 vaccine. And uh, that's I'm an, so excited about that. This is much deserved. Uh, it looks like yeah. there's, there's a list of occupations, if you will, that they've been categorized as 
one B. Have you have you seen the list yet? I have, but let's let's share it with our listeners. Okay, so we've got first responders, such as like firefighters and police officers, teachers, support staff, daycare workers. So that's all in this group here in the uh, mm-hmm. kind of education world. You've got food and agricultural workers, uh, manufacturing mm-hmm. workers, correction workers, U.S. Postal Service workers, public transit workers, and grocery store workers. So that is what's considered category 1B next in line for the vaccine. So um, definitely, I, we had talked about this weeks ago, you know, our teacher's going to be in line and um, it was, wasn't was a sure thing. And it looks like now um, it will be. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm really excited about it, no matter um, how each, you know, different teachers feel about the vaccine. I'm just excited that people are respecting um, what we do every day and how we're putting our lives on the line and risking every single day just to serve our students. Um, I have a few questions I'd like to know, you know, how that will be distributed. Do you have to go to your provider? Do you have to prove that you're a teacher? Will they come into the schools to take care of us. Um, just, just wondering. And I, I know a couple of episodes ago, we brought this up a little bit and you and I talked about it and I was skeptical, but you know, as I, I've been reading a lot lately and just really diving into it. And I don't think that I'm against it anymore. I think that the moment that is offered to me that I'm going to step up the vaccination. Yeah. And it's a little scary to step up and do it. I'm sure there, you know, yeah. some of us do have those fears. I guess I do too, you know, but um it is good that you at least have that option. And as for how it's going to roll out, I don't know. I haven't actually seen anything like that, but I would suspect it's going to be, you know, passed down from the state and maybe working with county officials. I would like to think that, you know, the idea is to vaccinate as many people as possible. So they will probably go to the schools and get large, you know, groups of, say, educators at once. Um, that would only make sense to me. And I feel like it could be rolled out. Uh, down the county level, especially if we're talking about the Moderna vaccine, which doesn't need to be maintained at quite as cold of a temperature. That was going to be my question. Which vaccination will we be offered? And then I have something else for you to ponder over. When we talk about teachers, I hope that we are remembering our teacher assistants, our cafeteria workers, our custodians, our bus drivers. They are all right there in the trench with us serving you know, X number of students every day um, that that they see face to face. Oh, yeah. And it says support staff in the USA Today article I'm citing, but um, I don't know specifically what that means. Gosh, but for bus drivers, I mean, put them at the very front of the line. I I feel for a bus driver Mm -hmm. every time I pass by a bus. It's just like you're in a contained box with lots of kids. Yeah. Um, Definitely deserving of of kind of moving to the front of the line. Can I get on my soapbox for a minute, though, about moving to the front of the line? Have you you been bothered? Am I I, a bad person for thinking that maybe Congress shouldn't have been taking the vaccine at least before they even passed the stimulus package sometime in the past eight months. I mean, come on, guys. I think that there's kind of some some layers to my feelings. I think that I suspect that there's got to be some policy in place that talks about protecting those that govern. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I do too. But when I see pictures of, um, you know, leaders who I feel have not truly given um, the people what they needed in response to the pandemic, who um, said some things uh, in the media and in print um, to, to cast the negative light on the process of trying to trying to help people through the pandemic and then to see them smiling and getting the vaccination. It really burns me up when we still have our 1A group not right. all vaccinated yet. 
Right. Yeah. And I don't want to harp on it too much. I feel like this is a bipartisan complaint because at the end of the day, it takes both parties to pass the stimulus package and they were getting that vaccine before any deal was struck on both sides of the aisle. So I don't know, but I don't want to harp on it too much. But, you know, like I said, there might be a policy in place about taking care of those that are governing. But I will tell you and I won't um, necessarily say her name so that we stay, you know, right down the middle. But there is um, a politician who her father passed away this summer Mm -hmm. um, due to complications with COVID. And of course she was offered her vaccination and she stood her ground and said that she's not going to, she does not feel that she should go first. She talked about um, frontline workers. She talked about teachers and she felt that she should not be before us. And she's not in my state or anywhere near me, but let me tell you, if I could vote for her tomorrow, I would, I just really appreciated um, her comments about it. Absolutely. And if those are curious about um, phase 1C, the next phase, which would make up about 57 million people, I'll quickly run through a list of some of those um, workforce uh, categories. You've got like water and wastewater workers, public safety engineers, legal workers, media energy workers, IT and communication workers, finance workers, construction, food service, transportation and logistic and public health workers. So that's kind of in that next category. Um, And that'll probably be Mm -hmm. another month, month and a half out, I think, before you start kind of tapping into that group. So, but I, it's just the fact that it's here, it's it's shipped out, it's being administered, science is being respected. Um, I just feel a lot better about it. One hundred percent. Other big news uh, that just recently came out is Joe Biden looks like he has selected a Secretary of Education. Uh, hopefully, by the time this airs, nothing will have changed between now and then. But you know how sometimes that can be a fluid process. Joe Biden has selected Miguel A. Cardona, who is the mm-hmm. Connecticut education secretary um, and he was appointed in Connecticut in 2019 after two decades as a public school educator um, so he is new to I guess what you would call the secretary like position um, he, he actually, however go ahead extensive experience as an educator yes so he, he started as an elementary teacher um, looks like he was there for maybe a uh, close to a decade and then he became yes. a principal and he spent a decade yeah. as a principal he was actually named principal of the year i think in 2012 and uh, he later became an assistant superintendent and adjunct professor at the university of connecticut uh, i guess it's is it fair to say biden kept his promise here I would say so. Absolutely. And that, to be honest with you, his entire list of um, potential candidates looked really good. Um, and I think for this selection, it's going to be tied to Biden's uh, choice of having schools reconvene within the first 100 days because um, he agrees with that theory. Yes, absolutely. And um, he there's that. Apparently, he is very much in favor of trying to get students back safely, which may seem a little weird to you and I, because down here in the South, we've been a little bit more aggressive with that. But there's very right. large parts of the country who have not been as aggressive with being back in the classroom. Um, but he does feel it can be um, safe. He's also very uh, big into addressing the achievement disparities. Apparently, he yes. uh, wrote a big report about that back in 2014. And that's very much in line with his policy. And a little background on him as well. He um, talks a lot about his parents, who have Puerto Rican roots, as well as his mm-hmm. upbringing in public housing and the public education system uh, back in Connecticut. So um, that's kind Talk of about a- somebody being able to make real connections with the children that we're serving. Right. And, and hopefully he will. And, and so I think, yeah, Biden checked two boxes here. One, of course, was having somebody who was recently in the classroom. And I think even though he was the uh, state 
education secretary. He was in the classroom as recently yeah. as 2019. And um, he also checked um, having that diverse cabinet because he is a Latino. Yes. And um, now he did come out of left field. I don't think we talked about a list of people. Uh, gosh, about a month ago, he was not on the list. And I didn't hear a whole lot about him until maybe two or three days ago. I don't know about you. And that is very true. But I also do, I think that a lot of times when we're getting our information, you know, journalists are speculating and little crumbs are being dropped for us. But, you know, a good leader is going to hold tight as long as possible before really releasing, you know, that kind of information. No doubt. So did you happen to catch the story? Gosh, I think it was about a week ago um, about the superintendent that called a snow day when maybe there really shouldn't have been a snow day. I guess you could argue, you know, we could have just continued (laughs) virtual. Did you see this? I did. And let me tell you, I would go and work for him right now. Um, There's a letter that he sent out to parents. And if you don't mind, I'd actually like to read it. I'd love to hear it because, yeah, I saw this. It's fantastic. So he wrote this letter to the Jefferson County School community, and I just loved it. It says, for generations, families have greeted the first snow day of the year with joy. It's a time of renewed wonder at all the beautiful things that each season holds, a reminder of how fleeting our childhood could be. For all of these reasons and more, Jefferson County Schools will be completely closed for tomorrow, December 16th, in honor of the first snow day of the year. Closed for students, closed for virtual, closed for staff. It has been a year of seemingly endless loss and the stress of trying to make up for that loss. For just a moment, we can all let go of the worry of making up for the many things we've missed by making sure this is one thing our kids won't lose this year. So please enjoy a day of sledding and hot chocolate and cozy fires. Take pictures of your kids in snow hats. They will outgrow them by next year. We will return to the serious and urgent business of growing up on Thursday, but just for tomorrow. Go build a snowman. Sincerely, Dr. Bonnie Shea Gibson. Let me tell you, I'd pack up right now and go and serve in this school community. That letter touched my heart so much. I think it touched much of America's heart. And I think it just really knew where we all were. Um, And I can't help but reflect on my own uh, five-year-old now who we don't get much snow down here, but it was two years ago, two, three years ago, we had snow. That's right. It's all she talks Mm -hmm. about still to this day. Like every... Every winter, she's like, is it going to snow? Are we gonna? And, and th- that day really was an important day for her to go out and enjoy it, it and was. build a snowman. And, and I love that that this superintendent, I don't know, just, just understood that. It just, it just meant a lot. Well, it says a lot about the entire leadership because clearly um, the superintendent had to have com- communicated with the school board and had to have talked with, you know, other leaders Um, that she serves alongside every day. And I just said, you know, that right there, that right there will bring an entire community together. That will lift up spirits. People are struggling. People have lost jobs. People are ill. They've lost family members. Children are just feeling a little disconnected with the weird way we've provided instruction this year. But that single letter on that single day may have healed everything for that community. No doubt. And it is uh, Jefferson County Schools in Charlestown, West Virginia. I think that's probably a good place to uh, wrap it up. Uh, Christina, are you ready for uh, today's Bright Idea? I am. Let's go. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is here with a message for new teachers. Chase Milkey is a high school teacher, writer, and speaker, and he's the author of 
of The Burnout Cure, Learning to Love Teaching Again, and his videos on YouTube have been viewed over a million times. Chase, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Nick. Uh, I'm excited to have you. In fact, I mentioned the YouTube videos. I was checking those out. And I got to ask you, like your videos, are you a videographer as well? Like whoever's helping you or you're doing it, like they know what they're doing. They're high quality videos. No, yeah, that that was very much me hiring out, delegating to someone who knows what they're doing. Um, you know, the, the What Students Really Need to Hear video was one of those blog posts that went pretty viral a little while ago. And a lot of people were requesting a video. And so I thought, like, if I'm going to do a video, I need to make sure that I do it the highest quality possible. So Rhino Media out of Kalamazoo has helped me with all of those. Well, they, they did a really good job. I do videography. And I was like, all right, so oh, cool. the, either the, either this teacher has a side passion and he's really good at it <laughs> or, or something's going on. So if anyone wants to check those out. But since since we mentioned that right off the top here, let's if no one's seen your videos or even referred to the the particular post that you were just referring to, kind of fill us in on that backstory there. Yeah, the main one that has been viewed a lot is what students really need to hear, which was something that stemmed quite literally from a frustration with a real class I was dealing with. And, and you know, I start off the post talking about in the middle of the night, just having a hard time falling asleep and losing sleep because I just wanted my students to look at school differently. And with the insomnia kicking in, I decided to actually just go down to my living room in the middle of the night and plug away like my thoughts, just stream of consciousness of all the things that I wish students would understand about the deeper reasoning behind school and pushing themselves and showing up to class and put it out there. You know, I looked at the next day, made a couple edits, put it out into the World Wide Web. And it was one of those odd things where a month went by and I didn't really think anything of it. And then all of a sudden it struck a chord with so many teachers and so many people across the world, across the U.S. So, I mean, how many times has that been looked at? Do you know? Um, the actual blog post, I think is about 4 million. Wow. And then the, the videos is close to that. I think 800,000 or so. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been quite interesting just to know, number one, that I'm not alone with a lot of these things and to just get responses all over the world of people who have very similar. And also the other interesting thing is having a lot of people push back on some of those thoughts of, you know, what is the true purpose of school and to what extent that's the mindset students should have. So it's created some really good dialogue with a lot of people and a lot of students. Well, and I I don't know if I'm describing this right, because I'm like the furthest thing from a poet, but but (laughs) you almost delivered it. And I guess like, is it like slam poetry style? Is that what you call that? Yeah, I, you know, I've heard many people reference it as slam poetry, and I've never considered myself a slam poet or went with that exact lens. But because I'm a writer and an English teacher, just a lot of prose, a lot of, you know, trying to weave in some assonance and some symbolism and parallelism. So kind of kind of creative, but a lot of people do consider it in a slam poem sort of realm. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to um, embed that video into this cool. to the show notes here. So if anybody wants to check that out, they can find that there um, if you haven't seen it already. So so Chase, I brought you on the show because um, you wrote this article, and I think it hit a couple different publications, but mm-hmm. basically was a letter to new teachers. And, mm-hmm. and I imagine, you know, we're in the podcast world here. We probably have a lot of new teachers who are, are looking mm-hmm. for information, and, and they're about to jump in, or they're just getting started. And I just kind of wanted to like not through this list here that you have and and really what made you decide to write this first let me ask you that um it was something that i was working with ascd since they're the publisher of my book the burnout cure and you know they were looking for topics in the realm of teacher well-being 
And they had kind of pitched, like, you know, do you, do you have any thoughts of what you would recommend or say to new teachers who are just diving in? And since I do instructional coaching and mentoring within our district, um, I had some thoughts ready to roll of this is, this is stuff that I wish I knew when I was a new teacher. It's stuff that is in the realm of my work in positive psychology and teaching. And so kind of marrying those, those two worlds of being a new teacher and psychological research. And I'm paraphrasing, but you basically start off by saying, you know, as a teacher, you're gonna be trying to push back the possibility yeah. of burnout. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is that students probably won't be the main cause of the burnout, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so in your mind, what would that be? The main cause, I think, stems from a lot of conflicts and perceptions that are more adult-driven than student-driven both for my personal world and in talking with a lot of newer teachers or even veteran teachers, some of their main stressors are feeling, you know, a lack of autonomy or respect or uh, colleague conflict or struggles connecting with parents. And so there are all these other things beyond what we get prepared for of the actual classroom that can bleed into and make it really, really challenging. So if I'm hearing you right, you're saying don't let the system and bureaucracy beat you down. <laughs> like, <laughs> More or less, yeah. Okay. Like it, and it's yeah, we're gonna go full anarchy uprising. No, uh, I think a lot of it is just trying to be far more intentional with how to preserve your passion when all these things can make it really hard to stay passionate and stay energized. So, so you offer uh, a list of what you call passion stokers. And, mm -hmm. and I want to, and is that, is that your, did you coin that? I like that. If, if, uh, that's me. Yeah. That's, that's good. <laughs> as, far I like that. as I know. <laughs> okay. Um, passion stokers in, and we're just going to kind of roll through these, but, but number one, find a positive tribe. Tell me about that. Yeah. The, the idea of social connection is so huge, not only for avoiding burnout, but just for well-being in general. And a lot of teachers, including myself, sometimes we, we get into a situation or a building or a district and we have a hard time finding people. Um, and we have a hard time finding people who are, have the same level of passion and sometimes the same level of energy and who you associate with in your personal world and your professional world can have a profound impact on your own well-being and happiness. So even trying to reach out beyond the classroom walls or the district walls of linking up with people online or former teacher development programs of more or less looking for who still loves their job and how do I try to absorb that, especially yeah. veteran teachers. And it's not just in teaching. It's I think any career yeah. you walk into, you're going to have yeah. those people there who have been there for 20 years and, and they're fed up. And, and so yeah. how do you avoid those folks who have that negative energy? Do you give any teachers advice about that? I, you know, there, there are moments when you can't avoid it. Um, I actually wrote a blog post recently that I call conversational dieting of learning how to treat conversations like food and learning how to not give into the junk food of gossip and negativity. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there are some strategies of how to try to redirect conversations towards action and positivity. Um, but the reality is sometimes it's really hard to avoid some of that in meetings or in unexpected interactions. So it's not necessarily avoid entirely because that's almost impossible. It is how do I supplement with still connecting with other people who love what they do? Your next uh, passion stoker is curate the good. Don't hoard the bad. Tell me about that. Yeah. So uh, 
this is one of my favorite analogies of there are people who I refer to as emotional hoarders. Um, teachers are really good at hoarding emotion that we're just surrounded by student emotion and colleague emotion. And sometimes when we end our day, we're still carrying that emotion, pleasant or unpleasant. Uh, you know, we might meet up with some colleagues for a cocktail after work, and then it's just people venting and talking about what's wrong and what's bad. And that stuff wears on us emotionally, it wears on us. And so, trying to look at it instead of a curator. A curator can go about the world and notice the bad art and notice the stuff that isn't good, but the curator isn't going to bring that stuff home. The curator isn't going to bring those and put them front and center in their household and make it the centerpiece of their entire existence as a teacher or an individual. And I think that's a big idea of how do I notice the bad, but how do I make sure that the things I'm talking about, the things that I am really putting my emotional energy in are the things that are good and uplift me and make me feel like my work matters. Uh, Your number three, Passion Stoker, forgive. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) it's the hardest one. That one is, I, I think, one of the most important, but it is so hard. Teachers have this mismatch between really high expectations for ourselves and for our students, and then also having to meet our students where they are and sometimes having to meet colleagues where they are. And that can cause some resentment when a student or a parent or a colleague doesn't behave the way we want them to. Um, And naturally, by the business of working with people, we're going to have those conflicts. So learning to let go of needing to fix everything and change everything and learning to let go of the past can help us still move forward. And also, I think especially for young teachers or maybe even just teachers of all ages, learning to forgive ourselves when we make mistakes Mm -hmm. because it can be brutal of wanting to change the world and then realizing we can't bear the weight of the world on our shoulders. Sometimes it makes us feel like we're not enough or we're not adequate and just giving ourselves permission to to do our best and know that it's not always going to be perfect. I mean, if I'm hearing you right on this one, and it's something that I think I've been trying to do over the past several years, and that's um, to to be okay with meeting someone beyond halfway. It's like we kind of expect mm-hmm. people to meet us halfway, but often they let mm-hmm. us down. They don't. Um, yeah. But you just kind of got to go 75% sometime or 99% yeah. sometime. Is that is that what, pretty much what you're saying? Yeah, to some extent, I think it is, you know, trying to to do our best to meet someone halfway. Um, But I also think it's figuring out how long are we lingering about something that's happened in the past, especially something that we can't change. You know, there are there are students who I still have trauma of making a huge mistake and doing something that I regretted. And those things linger sometimes so much that we have a hard time moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there have been moments of, of conflict with colleagues that sometimes I have to realize that that happened years ago when we were both in different places. And how do I just set that aside and treat the moment for what the moment is without all the baggage of my past or the past of the situation? All right. Number four, own your present and future. Yeah, that's kind of similar to this idea of extending from forgiveness is we get caught up in the past, but it goes a whole nother level of this internal locus of control that, you know, and I linked some studies in that article. Yeah, which I really liked. I thought that was clever. That I mean, you cite several studies throughout this whole entire yeah. article. 
Yeah, that, that's always been my focus is, is having things that are grounded in research, but put to practice with teachers, real life teachers and people in the industry. And, and, you know, there are a lot of studies that if you focus on what's within your control and learn to set aside what's out of your control, you typically have less conflict in your relationships. You typically feel more satisfied about the work you do. Typically, you're more resilient when things do go wrong. So... That's another major element. And I think what brings a lot of people down in education is they focus so much their energy on stuff beyond their control, uh, things that are really difficult to try to shift and change with one person, one life. And it doesn't mean ignoring some of those things, but when it comes down to it, we're in control of our classrooms. Um, we're in control of how we create learning opportunities. We're in control of our words and our responses. And so focusing on that's a big part of perseverance and making sure that we have a sense of autonomy and control. Um, craft your calling is your number five. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's another whole realm of research. Uh, Amy Resnuski and Jane Dutton are a couple of top name researchers in a work engagement. And they've spent a, time lo- a lot of time looking at what is it that workers do to stay engaged, even if their peers are not engaged, or even in situations that we wouldn't expect someone to be engaged. And their data has found out that there are really like three main things that people do to craft their job or craft their calling. They either change the amount or type of interactions with other people, so trying to increase interactions with certain people, decrease interactions, change the nature of the relationship. Sometimes they craft their actual task. So finding ways to make it their own or adapt it to their style and their worlds. Or, and or sometimes they try to shift how they frame a problem or view it. And those three different layers of job crafting are things that all of us can do regardless of our circumstances. And everyone typically does it to some extent, but people who love their work do it intentionally. They recognize when they're feeling burned out and they try to figure out, okay, what do I need to change? Do I need to change how I'm interacting with people? Do I need to change how I'm doing this task? Do I need to even just change my mindset around it? And that's really empowering when you know that there are strategies out there to shift those circumstances. I, I know we build this as you know a message for new teachers, but I really feel like if you've been on the game for five years, you can, <laughs> right. you can hear some of this and, and act on it. Am, am I wrong? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know the the whole impetus and inspiration of the book, the Burnout Cure, came from me almost quitting teaching two or three years ago. And I, I, you know, I'd been teaching for like seven or eight years and I had loved my job, but I was just bogged down by so much extra stuff and challenge. And it was ironic because I was, you know, about to quit teaching, but I was also teaching a positive psychology class about all these studies and things. So it was a serendipitous thing of, I need to double down and actually practice what I preach more intentionally. Well, and were you almost counseling yourself in the, in the crafting of the book? It really was. It was like, okay, what were the things that have helped me? What are the things that I talk about a lot? And and how do I put those in language that any teacher, really any person, regardless of their profession, could use to help them reestablish their love or to restoke their flame? Um, I'm. I mean this as a compliment, but you. You seem. I have no idea how old you are, but you, you seem younger than me. And um, and you said you've been teaching. I guess sounds like somewhere around ten years or so. Am I right? Yeah. This. Yeah. This is year twelve. Okay. So so you're in the game for that long. I would still consider you somewhat of a young teacher, but but you uh-huh. speak with um, the wisdom of someone who's older than me, and that's even been in this maybe for twenty plus years. Like, when did you realize that like coaching other people was just kind of a gift that you had? 
it was one of those things that I didn't really think about until it started happening. <laughs> you know, like I, so, so much of my, my passion was just through the lens of blogging. So anytime I was dealing with something in my personal world or dealing with something in teaching or even just learn something that official, I would just write about it. And then, you know, that kind of segued into, I wasn't alone and other people were getting a chance to see those posts and comment and share them. So just one of those things that, you know, I'm pursuing what I love and it just happens to be influential to other people sometimes. Well, well hopefully you're reaching some teachers today. If somebody wants to keep yeah. up with you, like, should they follow you on the blog or check out you on Twitter? Or like, where do you like to hang yeah. out? Yeah. Uh, the two main lenses for my education are, are Twitter. So at Chase Milky. And then my blog is Affective Living, a Affective with an A, um, AffectiveLiving.com. And that's where I post. I have my videos posted there. I blog regularly there. I also have a weekly newsletter um, that I share a lot of this stuff. So those are the main sources. Yeah. And if anyone's typing in your last name, Milky is, <laughs> is, is M-I-E-L-K-E. Yes. Right. Very, very German. Yeah. Yeah. But there you go. So again, Chase, we appreciate you taking the time to share all your wisdom with us. Are you ready for our pop quiz? I am ready to all the right. best of my ability. You've got it. Uh, if students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Oh, I'm biased because I, my positive psychology class is my go-to. It's We do everything to try to establish more happiness and purpose. So why not teach it directly? What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? well-being how to take care of yourself yeah and elaborate on that like what makes you say that you know i think so many of the external problems that we have stem from people not having self-reflection and introspection uh you know our struggles with people not empathizing is a lot of individuals don't even have good emotional intelligence for themselves uh you know people struggling with their work is often because they're struggling with some part of their character or some part of their framework and perspective so i think a lot of the external issues we see could be remedied if people learn to take care of themselves and learn emotional regulation and social emotional intelligence. What does every child deserve? A caring adult who will look out for them no matter what mistakes they make. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Ooh, uh, lack of respect from culture. What's the best gift to give an educator? time and if the educator is down for it maybe alcohol <laughs> <laughs> time and alcohol that's the title of your next book <laughs> right that'll be the one <laughs> yeah. all right which teacher changed your life Ooh, that's an interesting one because i never had a single teacher part of my motivation of going into teaching is feeling like i didn't have an adult who treated me with respect however uh, my assistant principal was one of the few people who treated me like a person even it's probably because i was in trouble a lot i was a troublemaker yeah. um, but he mr conroy was one of those people who he treated people like people and individuals and that was one of my main inspirations well i mean is there a particular moment where like you said you you were in trouble did he you know ever pull you in the office and something stuck with you in your mind it was just more of he was a big practitioner of love and logic Right. And so, you know, he was very much, uh, he, he would talk to me, he wouldn't yell at me, he wouldn't guilt me, he wouldn't make me feel like I have, you know, damaged the world or the history. He was kind of like, yeah, you're about to make a choice and 
it's not going to be a good choice and here's going to be the consequence, but it's, it's your choice to make. And as little as those moments were, it, it actually spoke to me of, of someone who is going to treat me like an adult, um, but also hold me accountable when I'm stupid. <laughs> right, right. Well, last question, pen or pencil? Pen. Uh, Pilot G207, the best pen out there. There you go. Chase, Milky, we appreciate the uh, pen tip as well as all the other (laughs) advice that you had to give. And uh, keep in touch with the show, please. Hey, thank you for having me on. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismissed. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.